All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, the right-hand man, Lou. Ooh. A little Shooter McGavin right a little shooter, uh, Listen, you're now tasked with this order, right? Like this tall order of week over week, you got to come up with something a little bit different visually. It gives me the most anxiety ever <laughs> on a Wednesday night. Like, what am I going to pull out of my ass? Because, frankly – uh, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. You're going to have to start Googling corny openings from <laughs> TV shows and things of that nature. But Lou, first things first, obviously I hope you and the family had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving. Same for um, all of our audience. But now that Thanksgiving is in the rearview mirror and we prepare for all the December holidays that are upon us, we are here to recap week 12 of the NFL season. Where I do actually believe we were treated to some exciting football games this week. Oh, weekend. yeah. There was a lot of good games. Yeah. Um, and you had the Raiders game. That was a fantastic game. Your game, great game. Buffalo-Detroit to kick off the weekend. Uh, you know, a better game than it should have been. I mean, you can argue. Patriots game? Yeah, Patriots game. You could argue, you know, Philly and Green Bay was a better game than you thought it was for a period of time. Last night, maybe not the greatest. <laughs> or, excuse me, Monday night, maybe not the greatest football game played, but competitive got down to the end so uh kept uh kept fans engaged for sure um but before we dive into festivities let's just remind our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by primetime sports talk your top source for all major sports content including dfs fantasy advice and great betting tips be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis exclusive content fascinating interviews and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, that's primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to for sports content. Lou, while we're on the the appropriate subject matter, where can the audience find us? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WTF Pod NFL. Like our stuff, retweet our stuff, show some love and Wesson as always share the YouTube. Uh we're talking football, nice and easy. I'm going to give a, an extra special plug to to Mr. Lou Garini. Follow him on Twitter at, at L-U-G-E-R-I-N-I. Why are you uh, saying that, Weston? Why, why are you telling people to follow me? Because you because know what just happened this past week, don't you? I, I do, uh, and I have a front row seat to it. Why do you educate uh, the listeners on what happened this past week? I'm this going past to, week. but this is twofold. Partly one, because I am the worst co-host in, in the existence of this when it comes to You're up meeting and content <laughs> yeah I, I mean listen i'm the first to admit it uh, my wife and i were talking about new year's resolutions and i was like i'm going to be more active <laughs> in this regard i owe it to Dude, Lou. If, I, if i'm more more active on twitter uh, i might get canceled <laughs> yeah um i'm waiting for your for me to tweet at elon musk to bail my guy out of twitter jail uh, yeah, uh, uh i thought there was free speech no yeah, no in a safe place here the circle of trust not if you're bad mouthing not if you bad mouth to a tug of viola and so go ahead, you Wes, are yes. singing praises to one justin herbert so we talked about it in the show last week. Talked about like this, this praise, like this praise of like Tua just being celebrated, and that quarter, you know, wins are a quarterback stat, and because of that, Tua is a better quarterback than than Justin Herbert, um, which is all just like smoke. See, and that's mirrors. the problem right there. It's like that people in order to praise one quarterback, they got to put down the other quarterback. Yeah, and 
which I don't subscribe to, right? I, I'm not big on putting. Well, yeah, yeah, you got no dog in this fight, so I, I don't. Um, other than just like my popcorn ready and, and my entertainment, but it's been a lot of fun to watch you just go back and forth with Miami fans because to me, what's more fun about this, really, with any any argument, like literally any argument that you post in social media, is you just quickly see how unknowledgeable, if that's even a word some people are right and the the baseline for some of their arguments and it's well, either it's not it's complete... not it's not only hold on it's not only just unknowledgeable uh it's also you can see who plagiarizes unoriginal thoughts half the so i posted something derogatory i don't actually think it was that derogatory i'd say something like that tua is a, is a good quarterback but dolphin fans are, are tripping if they don't think they would rather have justin herbert and i literally said tua was a good quarterback and I got 165 comments, yeah. uh, basically bashing me. I've got called, I got called Emerald Lagasse, making fun of my looks and things of that nature, which I'm all for it. People think that, like, you know, that I was in the ball crying. I, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I went right back at him. But the whole thing is, yeah, um, you can see who plagiarizes, and the, a lot of these Dolphin fans did copy the same sentiment as Emmanuel Sneezy Ocho or Acho. Yeah. Uh, um, so they you can see like uh what you they're not original and they're not intelligent. The, the rude awakening for the audience here is you're not going to hurt Lou Garini's feelings. Like I've known Lou a long time. I've tried several times and it just doesn't <laughs> happen. It's it's just a fact, right? So like I I know firsthand and I hope this doesn't slow down the commentary, but he welcomes that commentary and he will come up with something more creative to come back to you. So like <laughs> if you make it personal, he will make it personal in return. And I promise his return service will hurt more than the original service. This is the um, way that it is. Just to give our, our listeners uh, some feedback or like some background on me. I once got in a brutal Twitter war with Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I'm talking about like he made fun of my weight and everything. Like I was gonna curl up because I'm fat, right? But I, I call him, uh, you know, a drug addict. You know, has been guy that's living in the past and the like stonewash, stonewash jeans wearing motherfucker type shit. Like, dude, I went at it hardcore with him all while I was waiting uh, in the doctor's office for my gout. So like, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. You anyone can get it wherever, whatever. Yeah, bro, it's so funny to me. Like, God bless social media, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it is this platform. Some people take it so serious, and I I'm know, not I know. You just can't take your like, you just can't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, this, this world, you know, it just is what it is. Like, if you do, you'll eat humble pie real fast, just real fast. It's just the yeah. way of the world. Um, it's got, it's got a funny way of catching up with you. All right, so let's dive into this evening's festivities. Beginning like we have as of late with our, our hot topics. I think we have a couple to cover. I think one that's going to have a little bit more meat on the bone than the other. So let's begin there. And Lou, I'll do the honors of teeing you up with the initial hot topic and get your take on it. I'm going to say this with a smile. Actually, it's really hard for me to say this with a smile on my face, and I'll clarify as to why. So it's like I'll give a smirk. Because half of me is happy about this. The other half of me is not happy about this in any capacity. But at this juncture, with the Denver Broncos sitting at three and seven, three and eight, whatever they are at this point in time, is this Russell Wilson trade the worst NFL trade of all time? 
See, I give a little smirk too. I call that the Brooklyn, the, that Brooklyn smile. You don't show your teeth. You got one side of your mouth up, man. Uh, is this Russell Wilson trade one of the worst uh, trade? No, not of one of the worst of all time. All right, so let's let's tackle it, right? <clears throat> let's see. Let's let's revisit who got what. So Seattle got Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, two first round picks, which was uh, the number nine overall, Charles Cross, who they selected this past draft. And next year's, which is, I think, another top 10 pick. Top five right now. Top five right now. So um, they're going to have two top uh, 10 picks, first-round picks, within two years from the Denver Broncos. And they're also having two second-round picks as well. So it was the 40th overall pick this past draft where the Seahawks drafted Boye Mafe, and they have next year's uh, 2023 second-round pick. And they get a two th- and they got a 2022 fifth round pick. It's a lot. So what is that? That's uh, three players, uh, three players, five, five picks. That that's a that's a lot. And Denver got Russell Wilson in a 2022 fourth round pick. <clears throat> See, I think I did a little research here, and it's close. When you want to compare trades, the one that comes to mind to the forefront of is the Herschel Walker trade, right? That has to be the first one because it's basically, I think uh, Dallas got like numerous players and six draft picks. And this is what like really catapulted the Dallas Cowboys into that dynasty in the nineties where they were able to draft Emmett Smith, Russell Maryland, Alvin Harper, Darren Woodson, these household names. Right. And the Vikings got a 27 year old, so they gave six draft picks away, and they got a 27-year-old Horser Walker, who only lasted two and a half seasons with the, uh, the the Minnesota Vikings. And I only think he never ran for 1,000 yards after that trade. So that's the trade. There are other trades I have down here, but that's the trade that's really competing against this Denver Bronco trade. Yeah, I think when you factor in, I think what people might think that the Russell Wilson trade is the worst of all time is when you factor in the new deal that he got. I think that's what's getting people uh, there. Uh, that's what the knee-jerk reaction. When you factor in that not only do they give five draft picks and you know three players, right, but they also gave Russell Wilson a five-year, $245 million deal with $165 million guarantee. I think that is what's getting people saying that this is the worst trade. But that damn Cowboys Vikings trade back in, I think, like, what, like, was it, I don't know, 90, 89, 80, no, 80, 89, 88, I think. 89, who's, I think it's 88 or 9, whatever, regardless. That's pretty damn close. Yeah. Um, that's the one that immediately jumps out to me. So let me answer this slightly backwards. The, there is another trade that comes to mind, and I'm just going to say it because I don't want to be redundant around like the, the Herschel Walker trade because that's the obvious. This one is not as egregious, but it's similar in comparison when we talk about volume. So the volume of this deal, we compute the number of draft picks and the number of players outside the Herschel Walker pick. He wasn't it's bad. like unheard of. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I know where you're going with this. but I'm going to say the Ricky Williams trade. Yeah, but he wasn't bad, though. No, no, no. Overall, Ricky Williams was not bad. But, dude, you're talking about legitimately seven total draft picks – five um no six of them forgive me were in the same draft in the same draft right 
to slide up to number two to take Ricky Williams. And to your point about Herschel Walker, what I think makes this hurt more for the Saint from the Saints' perspective is Ricky Williams was only there three years, right? So, like, again, not bad, not a bad football player. A pretty good NFL career when you combine, like, all of his stops and things of that. And he certainly wasn't unproductive as a New Orleans Saint. But when you give up seven draft picks over a two-year span for the number two overall pick and he's only on your team for three years, like, that's what makes that uh, pretty egregious. But the short answer is no – as we sit here today, this is not the worst trade of all time. And the reason why I reserve the right to change my opinion in two or three years when I see – I have to see outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, for all we know, Denver gets rid of Hackett and all of a sudden they, they write the ship next year. You know what I'm saying? And like, And you're not even thinking twice about it. All these draft picks, Seattle could do nothing with them and you're not saying anything about it. The truth is – the sample size for that Herschel Walker deal is it's literally what catapulted the Cowboys back into relevancy and established the, the 1990s years where they won multiple Super Bowls, appeared in multiple NFC championships, produced multiple Hall of Fame football players that came from this particular trade. So I think recency bias. So you're saying the Walker trade is the worst. Is the worst of all time. Yeah. Because of the outcome, because we know the outcome. We don't know the final outcome here. I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to say if there's another season like next season, I'm. It creeps up. I am am doing a 180 and then changing my opinion to the Russell Wilson. I need to see year two in, in this. If it's very similar, then you got some really major problems. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the only reason why you know the Herschel Walker one is because you know the outcome, right? Like, yeah. you know what how Dallas capitalized with that. If Seattle doesn't capitalize with their picks, right, and turn see, this no, around. See, I'm not looking at it like that. I'm, you're see, looking you're, at it from a Denver's. one-sided view from Denver's perspective. Exactly. So if Seattle doesn't – that's on Seattle, right? But if yeah. if Denver – who we if we said on this show before, though, they're a quarterback away, have we not? Because they yeah, were yeah. such a talented – so oh, if yeah. they stri- if they strike out and also give them this money this amount of money to Russell Wilson, I think it is the I think it's not just the acquisition of Wilson's also the contract in itself. So I do think um, it would be I think the Russell Wilson trade would be the worst for the Denver Broncos. See what what I think to me even further tilts the scales to the the Herschel Walker deal is now I know this was a different time right? Where running backs were highly coveted and they're certainly devalued now, but it's still just that, right? Like a running back for all of those people, at least here for Denver, like, yes, we all said they were a quarterback away. That's not just us. That's everybody. And you know what? They pushed their chips all in to go be aggressive. So I don't fault the maneuver, right? Like in any capacity, so like it feels less perplexing as to the why you make this trade where Herschel, I mean, like, man, you now you're, you're thinking, you're thinking in the moment you start on the right track there. Running backs were essential to build the team back in the day. Um, you, you had all these running backs getting drafted early. Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders, 
uh, you know, Dickerson. You had all these. They were essential. They would always go within the top ten picks. So they were kind of like where wide receivers are nowadays. You know what I'm saying? So I, you're looking at it from today's view, but you can't. Back then, everyone think you thought you needed that dominant running back. I will say this, though. But l- listen, real okay. quick, dude. But in going back and looking at it, I mean, he legitimately – his 1988 season, so 89 was the year that it was the trade happened, midseason. He did 1,500 yards, right? Before that, it was sub 900. Before yeah. that, it was sub 800. So, like, again, nothing out there that says, like, this guy's the end-all, be-all. I, that I agree, I agree. It's not Bo Jackson you were trading for. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like is the way that I look at it. So again, I need to see more of the outcome. This is why I said, I, I say it with half a smile because like on paper, when I find out that my rival over the last 11 years gets rid of their cog, right. And gets rid of Russell Wilson, who's the 49ers killer on paper. You're like, see ya good riddance, get out of my division. Now all of a sudden they show that they can still hang around a little bit and then found some competent ways and change their philosophy and you backload them with all these picks and get on top of their own picks to get them back in order. Like the ship writes itself a lot faster than you would anticipate when you lose a player like Russell Wilson from your locker room. I really, and, and once again, uh, I another uh, trade that came to my mind too, which maybe not as close, but I think it has to be mentioned here. What about the Dallas Cowboys and Detroit Lions where Detroit sent off Roy Williams? Yeah. Uh, because back, all right, back in that time frame, Jerry Jones was obsessed. He wanted Randy Moss. He wanted to draft Randy Moss so bad. Yep. So back, so back in, in that day, he, he wasn't able to right, and he always found himself kicking himself in the ass for not drafting Randy Moss. He was, always was looking for that type of playmaker for my, to replace, you know, Michael Irvin and what have. Like he wanted to go back in the old days, so. He uh, approached Detroit and gave uh, Detroit uh, Lions a first, a third, and a sixth for Roy Williams, where Roy Williams with the Cowboys never had a 1,000-yard season uh, rece- uh, receiving. So that's pretty damn bad, too. You're giving three draft picks to a guy that could not average 65 yards a game. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> listen, there's been a lot of fleecings in the NFL for trades, right? Like, listen, the – Pats got Randy Moss for a fourth rounder from Oakland. And what did Randy Moss turn around and do? And just go yeah. ahead and break Jerry Rice's single season yeah. touchdown record. Arizona, and, um, De- De- DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins yep. uh, for David Johnson. For David second. Johnson. You know what it's, I mean? Like yeah. you've, there's been fleecings, but there's only one trade that has the exact characteristics and similarity in terms of players picks combination and the volume of it and it's the Herschel Walker trade. Yeah, if we're doing a Mount Rushmore, it's Herschel Walker and I'm going to say we're approaching Russell Wilson status and uh, you could probably throw in uh the Dallas Cowboys one there too. Yeah, but, uh, uh you know, uh, listen, it's close and it might surpass it when you consider the contract and things of that nature, how long his tenure is there but you probably need another two to three years to make the final judgment call on that to see. Not me. I just need one more year. Okay. One more year. He acts like he's doing right now. He has, if he has more touch, if he has more bathrooms in his house and touchdowns like he does right now, 
Yeah, I'm telling you right now, it's the worst I, trade of all time. I saw that and I was like, damn, I want his house. Yeah. <laughs> I would alternate my shits throughout the day. Just go home from one bathroom <laughs> to another. Sorry, that's TMI. All right, Lou, let's go ahead and hop into our, our next topic. Uh, next topic. Uh, this past weekend, we saw uh, Philadelphia Eagles play the Green Bay Packers. And obviously, we saw uh, Aaron Rodgers get hurt and was replaced by Jordan Love. Uh We've seen this before in the NFL, the old agent vet that's been, been been loved, hurt, and gets replaced, a la Drew Bledsoe. You can go, you can go on and on uh, here. But <clears throat> do you think that the Packers should stick? I know Rodgers is playing this Sunday. He stays playing this Sunday. But do you think he should be playing? Do you think the Packers should ride out where they are record-wise and, you know, where Aaron Rodgers' health is right now, do you think that Jordan Love should be uh, you know, playing this weekend and perhaps for the rest of the season? I, I am one – I 100% subscribe to the fact that Jordan Love should play the remainder of the season. It doesn't benefit anybody that Aaron Rodgers plays. And here's the fact, right? Like, even if he plays and they win out, it's still going to be a really difficult task to get there and, and to get to the playoffs and highly unlikely that they win out based on the way they've been playing when Aaron Rodgers was there. He, he doesn't need to put tape out there that says I'm tradable team. Come get me. He's not in jeopardy of losing his job next season. Like he's there for another two years. Con- contractually speaking, Is he? he won't be, no, he won't be. And we'll talk, I know we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure the the banter will pick up more towards the end of the season when there's a, a better light casted on it. But what if he wants to leave? What if, like, you got to see what you got? You know, like at the end of the day, like give give, give the kid a stretch. You invested a first round pick in him. You didn't invest a first round pick just to sit on your bench, like just in case, and look pretty trying to come from behind in a game that he's got no business winning in the in the first place. If anything. I think it's advantageous of the the Packers to put him in, get cute, scheme things up. You got nothing to lose, and, and you're building an audition tape. So if you're not moving on from him and number 12 wants to stay, like there's other teams that need quarterbacks, right? Like is there another spot that he can go compete? Can you get something in return versus just having that first-round pick? Sit and ride, sit and ride, sit and ride. The longer this game goes on, like the less viable he is for your team. And here's the biggest thing. Matt LaFleur, this is your scapegoat for the remainder of the season. Is like, look, Aaron's been playing with a broken thumb. He cracked a rib or, you know, whatever it might be. His spleen, like whatever, the bleak, whatever they were talking about, like he got, he hurt. Like it's just time to shut him down. Like he's not 25. He doesn't heal the way that he used to. Like, we got to live to play another day, and that other day is like, let's just get this thing right by 2023. And guess what? If you lose the remainder of the season under Jordan Love, you hope that he plays well, you have your scapegoat, you enhance your draft ability here, and and maybe find the additional weapons or, like, plug those holes of deficiency for you. To me, it makes literally – no sense whatsoever for the Green Bay Packers to be playing Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the season. For the mere fact, dude, we talked about this with Justin Herbert, right? Like if it's a rib stuff, like it ain't going away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like get, Aaron, I get it. But do you really have anything to prove to anyone? Like you <clears throat> don't. Right. So what I'm going to say, the answer, the answer to this question is it depends. 
And it depends the mindset of the Green Bay Packers. If the Green Bay Packers feel like this year was a fluke and they want to run it back next year with Rodgers, they're going to have to was it placate him. They're going to have to appease him and say, what do you want to do, Aaron? You want to go out there? All right, we will fail with you, and we will run it back next year. Uh, we'll have early draft picks next year to once again to make another run at it and what have you. That's if they that's if they want they feel confident in Rogers ment- him being mentally there and physically can return to his old form. That's option number one. If that's if have they feel if they feel that way. Now, if they feel it like you know what, this was a disaster. You know, maybe the old adage, hey, get rid of a player a year early than a year late. We'll eat the $40 million of uh, dead cap money next year to get some assets, you know, for him via uh, draft trade, uh, draft pick trades. And we will ride with Jordan Love for the rest of this year just to see what we have. Uh, I think that's the other, you know, venue you can go down. And it's very important because, correct me if I'm wrong, I think in, in this offseason – the Packers will have to designate if they want to give the fifth-year option to Jordan Love. If I'm not mistaken, I could Wait, be wrong there. No, so, like, he was picked in 2020, so this is technically – Same thing so with Justin Herbert. To, to, yes, all those guys. Same thing as all those guys. So I think you got to do it the year before. Yeah, so next, like the start it's, of next season they have yeah, to Yeah, so, like, you kind of have to see, like, hey, what are we going to do? with the fifth year option. If we don't know with Jordan love. So it all depends where their mindset is. Uh, I don't, I gotta be honest with you, dude. I don't think like the mindset shouldn't even like, I don't, what I guess I'm having a hard time grasping is why is the mindset anything other than Aaron? Like you're our guy. You know what I mean? Like let's let some of these young bucks go out and play. Like if I'm Aaron Rodgers, like, because Aaron Rodgers was was uh, uh, mentored by another selfish prick into Brett Favre, and he's become one himself. You're thinking like a normal, rational person where he's like, I don't want no young buck. And, and, and you're not wrong. Listen, I'm not wrong. But the yet. young buck ain't going to replace him. Like he's not, it, he should not be worried about his job. It, does, it doesn't matter. The same thing happened with Philip Rivers. When Rivers, the reason why they drafted Mike Williams over, uh, you know, some of the quarterbacks, you know, in that draft class, they could have gotten Mahomes, they could have got Watson, because Rivers literally told behind closed doors manager, "I'm not, tra- I'm not uh, teaching my replacement. That's not my job." And yeah. you've seen it too with Tannenhill. So it, there comes egos. There, there, I'm telling you, it's just more. You're talking from a, a completely sub, uh, you know, objective third party. Rogers is not gonna. He, it's his ego. He wants to show that he wants to. Sh- he wants to, you know. Show the Packers he is who he thinks he is. I just think he has nothing to prove. And if it's me, I'm sitting there like, I am a multiple-time MVP winner. I am a Super Bowl champion. You signed me. You're going to keep me. We can run this back. Like, why wouldn't you be like, hey, listen, I'm 37 years old. The body takes a little bit longer to heal. I'm going to pump the brakes for a hot minute. I'll come in fresh. Like, the job is mine. And Oh, by the way, like there's this thing called like guarantees in my contract, like let the young buck go finish it out. Let's see what he's got. I'll let him audition, get him out of here. So I don't have to worry about it. You know, I'm not teaching him anything anyway, and I'm not going to, in my time here, I can join Pat McAfee show every Tuesday and not care and probably do 
start to set up the, my afterlife in the NFL. And like you saw Greg Olson do it when he was injured, right. Appearing on the air for Fox and doing games and stuff like that. Like you start doing your thing and like, and you're making all this money to do it. It just, I, I don't care if I'm Matt LaFleur, if I'm Guten cursed, if I'm these guys, I'm like, I need to know what I have in number 10. I know I what I have in number 12. I don't think they have the balls to do it. I think, I think Rogers holds all the leverage there. And they're just going to basically appease which, which tells me if they don't have the balls to do this, this tells me that it's not the right leadership. And whether Aaron is there or not, you, he's never going to win another Super Bowl. He's, he's right. never going to win another Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. Okay. It's that simple. All right. All right. Let's get out of that. Okay. All right. Lou, a, a, a funny thing happened again this weekend, um, and it pertains to the Baltimore Ravens and how they let yet another – fourth quarter lead slip away from their grasps. Um, so it just lends me to a really quick question. Are the Baltimore Ravens contenders or are they more pretenders at this point in time? They're so weird because they are. If you look at their losses, I, I took a look at them against Miami. They were up 35 to 14 with 12 over 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And they lost 42, 38 crazy. They were playing the Buffalo Bills. They were up 20 to 3 at half and they lost 23 to 20. They played the New York Giants. They were up 20 to 10 with six minutes left in the fourth. And they lost 24 to 20. And now this past game against Jacksonville, they were up 19 to 10 with less than six minutes left in the fourth. And they lost 28 to 27. They have these they, their four losses are epic collapses. And it starts making you think because we we hold, I know you do, I know I do. We do hold the Baltimore Ravens in high high regards. Uh, we did predict them to win the AFC North when we did, you know, before the season started. And we've had nothing but fantastic things to say. I am a Lamar Jackson truther. So um, it starts it – starts, things are interesting. Um, is the coaching expired? You see this happen – see, I'm trying to take a look at if this is my team, which the Chargers have epically done this. So I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of uh, it was hard for me to kind of get out the biases out of the Ravens history, like in the lore they've had, how great and fantastic have, has this franchise been run over the last couple, you know, the last two, 20 years. Right. Yeah. So I had to get that out of my mind. And if this was the, the same results of the Chargers, I'm thinking, A, first and foremost, it's bad coaching. And you've seen this happen with Andy Reid and the Philadelphia Eagles. Things just get stale. Right. Yep. It doesn't mean that John Harbaugh is a bad coach. It just means there has to be a shakeup. And that's exactly what happened with Andy Reid. Right. So half of it has to be part bad coaching. And the second part, <clears throat> it's also a lack of talent, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. They are always banged up on the offensive line. They're, they're, they have no other playmakers from a running back standpoint. Their skill positions are a joke outside of Mark Andrews. Uh, and Bateman, but Bateman's been injured, you know, for the second year in a row. Uh, I just don't think they have enough from a skill standpoint to help support Lamar Jackson. Uh, so I do think it's bad coaching plus the personnel, right? So that's now we're talking about front office and general management. All right. But last but not least, this is, I'm not going to take credit for this point, but I did think it was extremely interested. Um, David Carr on NFL network said, you brought up the point, is Lamar Jackson playing a little tentative? Years past, you've seen him with these crazy breakout runs. You don't 
you see him running the ball, but you don't see him making the same exact plays as he was the years past. You see him really trying to win from the pocket, you know, with his arm and what have you. He's done that in the past too, but you don't see his eagerness to run as much as he did. And is that because he's not locked up long-term? Is this more like I'm not putting my body in jeopardy to lose money on my next deal? Like I said, this is complete speculation. But I do feel like there's all three of these things are the perfect storm of why the high ups and the high lows, I mean the low lows of the Baltimore Ravens. So long-winded, I still think they're contenders for the mere fact they have that experience, but I don't think they're going to go as far as I thought they would in the playoffs. Yeah, um, you're going to love this politician response from me. I am not – I am not label. I am not ready to label them as pretenders by any means. You still lead your division, right? Like end of the day, they are contending. But when I look at the rest of the AFC, they're not contenders right now. And for me, the deficiency is the offensive skill players. I agree with you. Like the staleness of the coaching, like what's the common theme across all four of their losses. So far, so far this year, our second half slash fourth quarter meltdowns. Now, against three three of those teams, three of those four are playoff teams from where we sit right now, right? So you got Buffalo, Miami, Giants. You know, the jury's still out on, on Big Blue. We know that. But we know Miami's going to be in, in the playoffs, and I am quite confident Buffalo's going to be in the playoffs, right? The I think – so I, I noticed what you're saying, like the, the the tentativeness around, you know, Lamar and his play. But I've seen this happen before, and it happens all too often in all sports, is more often than not, fourth quarter collapses are directly related to playing to not lose the game versus playing to win the game. Like, hey – you're up 20 to three against Buffalo. Why aren't you just rinse and repeat in what you did in the first half, right? Like you're up 21 points in the fourth quarter against Miami. Like, again, why are we getting into like the conservative play and causing three and outs and just not doing the same things? And dude, this happens all the time, bro. I, I can't tell you if I had a knock on Kyle Shanahan, it's one of those, right? Where he's up in the fourth quarter and why is fourth quarter is not good is because nobody plays to lose, not lose. I think more than we do versus just keeping your foot on the gas. You just go on I, cruise control. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's the staleness that I see. And I think it is coaching now what still hedging my bet and still keeping them, you know, towards a contender is, I still have faith in number eight that if, when the chips are on the line, if he needs to make a play, he's plenty capable of making that play. I don't doubt that. And I think of experience specifically um, the head coach, right, who has has seen this book before, understands the, the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of an NFL season. So if I trust anybody to have my team prepared come essentially – the fourth quarter of the season, which is what we're beginning to enter right now. I like Harbaugh. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, I know you're tied with the Bengals record wise, but you have the the edge and you are, you know, first place in your division, not a bad place to be as you're trying to figure out some of those woes. But when 
push comes to shove and they get into the playoffs and they got to compete against the Chiefs and the Bills and the Dolphins, they just don't have the offensive firepower that those teams have. Yeah, and their defense is not as stacked um, as Baltimore defenses of the past. Well, they did lose uh, uh, Wink Martindale, which was you know a, a, a genius. Look what he's doing okay. with the Giants squad on the defense, right? They don't have that much talent on that defensive side. Arguably but, the best defensive coordinator in football for a long time. Yeah, no, he's 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 fantastic. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, and you, know, you might want to you know pin this or earmark this or whatever. Wouldn't be shocked if Harbor after this year only has plays one more uh, coaches one more year of the Ravens, then then leaves you know takes a break and then comes back to the NFL a year or two later. I think he does like a Sean Payton type of thing. Yeah. I wouldn't Book be it. shocked at all. Book it, cut it yeah. up, save the clip. Man, I look, stamp it. I I look real smart if that happened though, right? Receipts, brother. All about right? receipts, keeping them. So. All right, Lou. Let's get into our hometown takes here. Uh, exciting game that, that your Los Angeles Chargers played in. Um, yeah, maybe for you, but when, yeah, you're, yeah, going, like, when you're going through that, it's gut uh, oh, Bro, the, the cardiac kids, this is the way that they've been as of late throughout this season. Um, no stranger to, you know, second half meltdowns and things of that nature where I think this was the exact opposite. And what I love most about this, and I apologize if I'm stealing some of your thunder, no, no, go ahead. is it fits so perfectly into your narrative for the week. And the narrative was, hey, we keep talking about how Herbert doesn't win and blah, 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 but yet he has more fourth quarter comebacks, wins, than any of these quarterbacks that you've labeled. And then here you he, are. There's only one other. Another there's one. only one. There's only one other quarterback that has more fourth quarter comebacks. Mahomes. Yeah. One one other quarterback that has more game winning drives than Mahomes since 2020. Yeah. So, but he's not a winner. He's not a winner. No. He, but just a but this fit your media. narrative he's so just, well. He's just a social media quarterback, Weston. Yeah, I know. What I'm going to say, Emmanuel Acho, keep my quarterback's name out Acho your mouth. <laughs> All kidding aside, I, you know, his whole – the whole premise of his argument is the fact that, hey, the Chargers are 21 and 22 when Justin Herbert's under center for them, right? Yep. Let me tell you something. Of those 21 wins, I can tell you how many uh, Justin Herbert's been responsible for. Minimum 18. The Chargers only go as Justin Herbert goes. If he has a bad game, seldom do that – does that defense pick him up? Seldom does that special teams pick him up, right? Yep. So it's always on him to win it. And when th they lose it, it's because he just wasn't enough Superman at that time. You got the Miami Dolphins defense scoring 14 points in the game against the Houston uh, Texans. Yeah. That doesn't happen, you know, with the or with the Los Angeles Chargers. So when the, he's 21 and 22, let me tell you something, man. Those 21 wins, the majority were because of Herbert and they, to overcome the inadequacies on the defense and special teams and coaching. All right. So I'm not going to, that's neither here nor there. Let's just get into the, uh, let's just get into the game. Some of the good, they get a W and they stay in the playoff race. Uh, currently they have a 39% chance of making the playoffs. It would have been a hell of a lot smaller if they lost. So uh, kudos to them. They went on the road and beat uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Derwin James, man, can't say enough about Derwin. He might be uh, my favorite. I think he is my favorite uh, Chargers player uh, because he's he brings that tenacity. 
He brings that fire. Um, he just shows why he's he is the best safety in the league. Anyone wants to debate me on that, I'll, I'll be more than happy to uh, you know go toe to toe and you know twelve rounds with you on that one. He has four sacks and interception, three turnovers in the last two games. The fact that he was manned up as a cornerback on DeAndre Hopkins and uh, with that interception, uh, that was insane. He had that such strong hands to do what he did against the Hopkins. Hopkins has the best hands in the league. For him to pluck it out, like you know, hold on to the ball against Hopkins on that fade route uh, was nothing short of spectacular. So uh, Derwin James is just being Derwin James. The, the, the league is a better league when he's playing uh, and he's on the field. Uh, DeAndre Carter, this what a nice find has this been for the Los Angeles Chargers? This guy has been a special teams and a role player his whole career, been thrusted into the starting lineup for the mere fact of that they've been decimated with injuries from the wide receiver position. And he's having a real a, a career year. He's really stepped up, and he's been one of Herbert's, you know, you know, more reliable, you know, options out there. So uh, good to see DeAndre Carter, uh, you know, thrive in, in this offense. Uh, the special teams notice uh, it was solid. I'm, I, this has been a shockingly weird year for Los Angeles, in particular with their special teams, because they've always been the blunt of the joke. Right, that hey, you know, they're going to mess it up. I used to have to hold my breath on kickoffs and punt returns and things of that nature, but the special teams were fantastic, in particular the punting. J.K. Scott really pinned them back, and which was really huge in the fourth quarter because that leads me to my next situation, my next uh, good that I saw in this game was situational football. Listen, the Chargers played a classic game where I call it the original Steve McNair uh, type of play. You would allude to it as the Russell Wilson. Play a straight-up garbage for the first three quarters, and then all of a sudden they sniff some smelling salt, wake their asses up, and like, oh, we're playing a football game now. So the situation of football was fantastic due to the special teams. Pinning the, pinning the Arizona Cardinals back late in the fourth quarter with six minutes left uh, three times, right? And in that fourth quarter – during that time, the Chargers allowed 16 yards on three drives for the, for three three and outs, and that's how they were able to come back and win the game. So kudos that that is pretty much all I have from a positive standpoint after watching that game. We go to the bad. First and foremost, I had to go to the doctor because my blood pressure was so high, so I had to get my prescription uh, you know refilled. So that cost me a little money. That was part of the bad right there. But in addition, if you follow me on uh, Twitter, one of the things I alluded to that I was extremely worried about was the pressure that Arizona Cardinal was going to bring to the Los Angeles Chargers. I was worried about their twists and stunts and their blitzes, uh, frankly, because L.A. hasn't been good at uh, really navigating those type of uh, those pass rushing uh, strategies. So. Uh, and I was right because Herbert faced a season-high 39.2% pressure rate. He was sacked four times in a game. That's crazy. Almost 40% of the times that he dropped back, he was he was pressured. But that being said, he was 12 for 16 for 107 yards and a touchdown on those pressured uh, dropbacks. Uh, not bad for a social media quarterback. Uh, and last, but you know, last, which is really the most, you know, the elf in the room or, or you know, the the real glaring issue here is this rushing defense is historically 
bad. They are allowing 5.53 yards per carry. That is literally the worst average for any defense since 2020. So they literally ranked 734 out of 734 of all defenses to stop in the run of all time since 2020. I mean, that's 2020. Excuse me, two, since 2000. I apologize. So this is where I'm starting to get worried. You can't win games like that. You, you, you cannot you cannot win games like that. And it's, it's just it's one of the most frustrating things to watch. You, you slowly getting gutted play after play, knowing there's nothing. If you put 12 guys in that defense, they ain't stopping them. They, they still ain't stopping the run. And it's a shame. Um, I, I think it's just so obvious they need Joey Bosa back, right? Like and he ain't coming back. They just said it's going to be a while. It's it. Even Khalil, Khalil Mack's efficiency has dropped off, right? Like two sacks in seven games. Cause he's the focal point, right? Like, Take that away from the defensive line. I'm not not. This is not a knock on Khalil Mack. No, just, no he's overused at this yeah. age. Yeah, no. Yeah. And and Bosa is a Bosa. Like he can play the run. He can rush rush the passer. Right. Here, here's like, a he's funny, a complete here, here, defensive a, end. Here's a funny stat. Bosa only played the first two games. Uh, the amount of rushing yards they they gave up the first two games was under 100 yards each game. Yeah. And you're saying how can one guy do so much? Bosa. What makes him one of the best defensive ends, not an edge rusher. Edge rusher is your TJ Watts, your Nick, your Nick Bosa's, your uh, Mackay, uh, your, your Parsons. He plays the rush equally as good as he plays the pass. That's what makes him. He's not as good as a pass rusher as Nick Bosa. He's not as good a pass rusher as TJ Watt. He's not. No, but he's, a complete he's, he's more complete, and he, he does a fantastic job of setting that edge. If you notice when you're watching the game uh, where Arizona was having success, uh, uh, success was they were pulling their guard from a pow and, and running power to the left-hand side and just literally blowing up whoever was trying to set that edge, and they couldn't. Yeah. I think what's more concerning for me is like, I mean, listen, we've been beating it. It's almost a dead horse at this point, right, the, the run defense, and it's going to be – it's going to feel like the Achilles heel, right? Especially like come playoff football. And I do believe this team is plenty capable of getting into the playoffs based on how the schedule might shift out um, is your own rushing attack. You know, another week where your quarterback cracked ribs and all is leading your team in rushing. That's not know? good. No, that's not good. Um, I don't remember what the, the final stats were like in the stat line, but I know, he had 38 yards rushing. Yeah, and I think he was better than anybody else by, like, 18 or 19 yards, right? Like, it wasn't, like, a, a one-yard difference between him and Eckler. It just wasn't and, – and I get it. They threw the ball 47, 48 times, right? Like, and that's game flow and whatnot. But, like, I just think you you expect more – just a little bit more balance is ideally what I think they're they're looking for. But here's the, here's, here's the good. The good is, and you know you hear this for, this slogan from me all the time, and at this point of the year, it's all true, especially when you look at record. Your record specifically is like this was a must-win football game. Like they had to win this football game or things were just flowing in the wrong direction over the last few weeks, and they stopped the bleeding. And sometimes in the NFL, that's all you got to do. Is you just got to get back on the bike, remember how to ride it, and then, oh, yeah, like we're pretty good at this thing. Oh yeah, we can do some certain stuff. And like, you know, I I liken it to the 
kind of like we've shit on Brandon Staley, right? Around his like sometimes questioning the fourth, fourth and whatever distance going for it. But that was the staple in his first year that made you love him. He and shied two, away from it this yeah, year. And this two point conversion was just that was we need to win a football game. Tying, tying, and going to overtime. Like I don't know. You know what I mean. Like let's just go win the football game. And if we lose, you're never going. You're never going to be as close as you are to win that game as you were at that point right there. You're at the two 100%. yard line. You get it. You win. You don't. You leave. Trust you don't that I got the right quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And a beautiful ball to Everett. Why? You know, like it just. Um, but again, I'd I'd end my commentary on it in a must win game situation. You won the football game. Right, like that's what it boils down to. What boggles my fucking mind is how can they, how can they play as they did against the Niners and the Chiefs, and then come out against the Cardinals and like play like that. Yeah, like I felt way better after watching the Chargers play the Niners and the Chiefs than I did with the Cardinals. Yeah, and they lost those games. Yeah. So classic, classic is just playing up to your competition and then playing down to your competition. Yeah, I, and, and you know what? Good teams don't do that. No, you know what? But who's the who's the who did the Chiefs lose to this year? The Colts. Yeah, and they weren't a good football team when that happened, right? So like, it happens. Trap games, play to your competition, whatever it might be, yep. it happens. I would say good teams don't make a habit. Of that, right? Okay, like, I'll take that. Not uh, a consistent behavioral trait uh, that they show. All right, so well, we good? I got. Let's okay, go cool. The, let's go to the bay. Yeah, let's go to the bay. 49ers had the Saints. Um, you know me; I'm normally very structured with my good and bad, and kind of go through it bullet by bullet. I don't have that for us today. Um, the end of the day, not a not a sexy game. Thirteen nothing is what it boils down to. Um, I think the overreaction to the game is going to be why isn't this 49er offense gelling? Why isn't gelling? Why isn't gelling? Especially coming off the performance where everything worked against the Arizona Cardinals, right? And you beat your division rival, a division rival by 28 points to be 13, nothing. And I, and I do believe it to be that the saints defensively speaking, were one of the tougher front sevens, Defenses that they very played. Good, they're very, they're good, very defense. good defense. They're a very they're, good. They're defense. long in the tooth, but don't let's not get it twisted. The Saints have a very good, aggressive, fast defense yeah. led Cam- by a defensive-minded coach. Yeah, Cameron Jordan, a savage, right? Mario uh, Davis, great. Yeah, um, I know they were missing the, that young. I forget his name. The young um, middle linebacker, but they had another kid who came in play. I know they didn't have Lattimore, but like we're not really a passing threat, so that wasn't the concern. It's like. Can you stack the box? And oh, by the way, a team that is accustomed to seeing our our new toy twice a year, right? So they know what he's capable of and what um, he's able to do. Um, I think some of the bad, like I too have like concerns around why the offense w- wasn't at gelling as much. And the truth is, is normally I can point to like plays that were left on the field, and I didn't see a lot of those, right? Um, I think the one fourth down fourth and goal that we went for it and didn't get it when we had initially thrown a, a pass to Juwan Jennings, that was um, he was out of bounds essentially at the one yard line. Yes. Christian McCaffrey was wide open on the backside of that field, but I don't even think he like, that's not the direction of the play call. Right. So like that's hindsight being 2020. Like I didn't see Jimmy leave a lot of 
wide receivers wide open. I just think the, the line didn't hold up as much. They were really stingy against the run. And when you're not getting first downs in bulk, you don't open up the playbook the way that you normally do, right? Like then you find yourself in a game where you're like, God, we just got to get a first down here. God, we just got to get a first down here. Um, yeah, I think I think the Niners are a team that they need to establish the run to to uh, open up the passing lanes and what have you. I think they're like more of like a traditional team in that standpoint. Even though the weeks before we've commented they were pass heavy in the first halves and not, but I think for for long time for long term success, they do need to uh, establish the run to open up you know some of those other concepts that they do run. Yeah, if, if I'm thinking of some other bad, um, again, I don't think the offensive line played their best game over the last four or five weeks. To, I mean, Jimmy took a beating, dude. Like, he took a beating. Um, and I'll save a portion of that for good because, you know, got to be happy with how your, your quarterback responds because he's the last line of defense. If this thing goes to Brock Purdy, flush it. You know what I mean? Just flush it. Like, it, it, it ain't going anywhere. So he's he's got to hold up. And, you know, we always – I always talk about his pitter patter feet in the pocket and how he always looks unsettled, but like he stepped up and made some throws in some tough situations and, and took some licks. Um, I think another negative obvious thing here is Elijah Mitchell ha- having to hang it up for another six to eight weeks. Both of your backs stinged up now. Yeah. I don't know what, what's the, what's the word they're using for McCaffrey. Knee, right uh, was it? Knee? Hold on. <laughs> Once you once you start having like lawyer talk, you know it's not good. Hold on, it's right here. Um, knee irritation. Knee irritation. That's what it is. That's not a medical term, by the way. Um, yeah. But either way, when a guy they're who's try, got they're, they're trying to that's they're trying to keep shit under the wraps there. Yeah. What is it? Tendonitis. Who yeah. knows? I mean, listen, he finished the game right, and they talked about it during the game, but like certainly wasn't productive by any means towards the end of the game. Um, so the injuries are are concerning, especially now where you're like much thinner, especially with the departure of Jeff Wilson Jr., who was always like the the insurance policy. Um, obviously, that's that's concerning, and and honestly, what's more concerning, and and I'll talk about how well the defense played in just a second. I want to give credit where credit is due. Andy Dalton played a hell of a football game, and yeah, I don't, I doubt you. I doubt you watch this game the way that I watched it, right? Like yeah. you probably highlights and went back and, and, you know, probably a similar fashion as to how I was able to watch the chargers this week. Right. Like normally I try to go back and watch them through like my app. Cause I can watch the whole game in 30 minutes. Didn't get the opportunity this week to do that. But the, Andy Dalton played one hell of a football game. He was, I mean, dude, he was hit, dude, he was hitting wide receivers in their fucking face mask. Right. Like with the ball, like pinpoint money. Like sometimes like, Guys got to make a play. I think the 49ers were bailed out a couple times. I still don't know what a catch is in the NFL. <laughs> Proven to me by this Chris Olave catch that when Shanahan was challenging, I was like, what the hell's going on? That's not a fumble. Like his arm was down first. And then all of a sudden, whatever official that now sits in the booth that has no idea what they're talking about because they're like the worst and adding in their two cents, you know, they just back the referee in the call on the field. Like that's what they always do. They never question anything. Like, actually, this is, you know, I don't know if it's a complete pass. I'm like, I saw four steps, let alone three, right? And you're going to tell me this is an incomplete pass? Like, hey, it worked out in our favor. The Jawan Jennings touchdown catch, you know, right before half, like, Teron Matthew made a hell of a play. You know, Jennings was Johnny on the spot. Like, great catch, great concentration, not a great throw. The right read, you know, just needs to be a better throw. But I also think that's football karma because – 
two plays before that, Elijah Mitchell broke one to the house for a touchdown right before the half, and they called George Kittle on a phantom holding call, if you ask me, like 30 yards downfield. How awful has the officiating, officiating been? Officiating has been god-awful, bro. And you you can say it's low-hanging fruit to always criticize nah, the officiating. Dude, it's been bad. I don't bro. remember last year at all as, uh, criticizing the officiating to this standpoint, like week in and week out. The officiating has been pretty goddamn awful this year. Lou, I am 39 years old. I've been watching professional football for 34 years vividly that I can remember in my lifetime. And I know they changed the catch rule, like secure it through the ground and blah, blah, blah. You know, a football play. Dude, how many times you go back and watch highlights from like the 80s, early 90s? And you're like, that ain't a catch today. But Man. sure, shit, that was a touchdown then, right? Like, it's just, it's, it's different. And that rule's been around for what? I mean... 10 years now, 12 years now. It all, I, started, with, it all started with Calvin Johnson and the playing the bears and that, uh, that hitting, back of the end zone catch, which to me by even our the own definition of the rule, that's a touchdown, right? You just have to possess it and cross the line in, in the end zone. That's the way they evaluate it. But like, I still don't know what, it, what constitutes a catch in the NFL and it's, it's mind boggling. So that's some of the bad, you know, like, okay, the good, Hey, you shut out your opponent. Only four teams have been shut out this entire season, right? Through 12 weeks of football. Like, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's not the best team that you played, but like, they ain't slouches necessarily it's still, it's, either. It's, it's very hard to shut out a team. Very, very. Um, you know, a couple of fourth down attempts. I mean, dude, they had one that they stopped and they had eight plays with inside the, you know, first and goal, right? Eight plays. Um, goal to go, and and were able to keep them out of the end zone. They were John. The defense played well. Johnny on the spot with the turnovers early in the game. Fred Warner forcing that one on Kamara, then Huff forcing another one um, down by the goal line. I just like, you know, I know Kamara's fumbling a little bit more this year than ever, but like you don't recall that guy in his career putting the ball on the ground, let alone twice in a in a single game. So, you know, they they did some things. Um, I talked about Jimmy's toughness before, right? Like, I just think he he got his ass handed to him. That's the that's the biggest beating I've seen him take in quite some time, and he just kept getting right back up. And that that one that was again a, a penalty in our favor that is not a penalty um, in the NFL, where he got hit below the knee outside the pocket. I thought yeah. that was going to be it, dude. I thought that was going to be it for the game. Yeah, um, I didn't think that was a penalty either because it's not a penalty. Yeah, because he's outside the pocket. So you know he's a runner. Yeah, so I didn't think that was a penalty either. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, he immediately grabbed his knee, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, this is not exactly you, you know the most durable guy out there, and no. coming off another you know season that he had a rehab, albeit it was with his shoulder, but still, you're like, oh shit. Yeah, it's. Dude, I always say this, man. Injuries are like the cold, right? They're highly contagious. It's just yeah. the way that it goes. That's true, um, man. I think, you know, statistically, they avoided turnovers offensively. So, statistically, no bonehead throws for a fourth consecutive game for Jimmy. Now, the one that did happen was taken away and negated due to uh, a penalty. And I do think that had, you know, the uh, that had the opportunity to change the game because that was very early in the second half. And obviously got um, called back to due to uh, a, a defensive penalty. But, you know, the facts are the facts. Like, four, 49ers defense now has gone six straight quarters without allowing a single point. They've gone four consecutive games without allowing a, a single point in the second half. 
I said this last week. I, I, I tread this line very lightly because of quality of competition, like along the way they haven't played any, you know, barn burners. And here we are, you know, you're a game, essentially a game and a half in first place. Um, Cause you have the, the division record over Seattle and you're plus one in the win column. Uh, all in all, not a, not a bad spot to be, you know, 12 weeks uh, into the season. Weston, I want, I, I just want, I'm going to ask you a question. I just want a name. No explanation. Just want a name. Who would, who would be the bigger loss for this team? Is it Mike McDaniel or is it D'Amico Ryans? Cause D'Amico Ryans will probably get a head coaching job next year. Who, which one will sting more? D'Amico. I think agree. I, agree. I honestly think D'Amico Ryans is the best coach on this staff. No, you're not going to hear it. You know, you're not going to, I'm not going to argue with you there. And you, I know you didn't ask for an explanation, but allow, like, listen, I love Mike McDaniel. We know we have a mutual friend that is a Dolphins fan. Talk to him. Somebody's like, I'm coming over your house on Sunday. I'm like, I won't unlock the door. So don't even bother like trying to come over is a Dolphins fan in the minute they made the Mike Yo, McDaniel You're not hanging out with him, right? Because I, no. I actually – good. No, 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 no. I'd be pissed. I'm going to actually yeah. text him. Make and sure. if I was, I wouldn't admit it on this show just yeah. to get <laughs> fucking tormented later. Oh, uh, man. Like, as soon as they hired Mike McDaniel, I was like, listen, this guy's really quirky. He's different. But you're going to love everything about him. Everything about him. He is a player's coach. He's a – he's – insanely smart right like like almost like his quirkiness is because he is too smart but D'Amico Ryan's why so much is because D'Amico Ryan's I think absorbed so much from Robert Sala the passion the fire on the side so believe it or not even when Sala left there's just a lot of continuity there not just from players but from schemes and thought processes and of course everybody adapts you know to their own style um yeah, but if D'Amico goes, it's a big loss to this defense. When he goes. Yeah. All right. But it'll be three. It'll be two third-round picks for us again. Must be nice. Four years in a row that's happened. <laughs> You're going to need him. Yeah. All right, Lou. What are you freaking out about? All right. So, starting from a positive standpoint, I am freaking out. I remember not too long ago during this offseason how everyone was ridiculously – quick to write off the Kansas city chiefs and saying this division is no longer theirs, that they are going to have to go through this division of hell with the chargers, the Broncos, the, the, the Raiders and all the new, a bevy of talent while also losing Tyreek Hill. Right. I wasn't one of them. I, I, I predict them to win the division. I predicted Patrick Mahomes to win the MVP where everyone says Josh Allen. And I wasn't, I, I, I said, watch what they do. They're going to win, and they're just going to win in a completely different way. And guess what? That's what they're doing. So if I'm Chiefs Kingdom, for all this talk that it, this is the, their reign of the AFC West is over, they're only now they're just, they already wrapped up the division. They're just the only thing they're worried about now is getting that number one seed. So you have to be thrilled if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chiefs fans, uh, because once again, it's just business as usual. And there's nothing to worry about a division anymore. You're just worrying about the one seed. And if that's your biggest problem as a as a, a NFL football fan, then guess what? You got it pretty damn good. So the Kansas City Chiefs should be freaking out in a positive way. 
Yeah, and you know their schedule is pretty favorable. I mean, they have uh, this week against the Bengals. Not going to be easy sledding, right? Like Bengals beat them in the AFC Championship last year. Outside of that, they have the Broncos twice, the Raiders, the Texans, and the Seahawks intermixed in there. But that's fine because they already went through their hell. They had a, a difficult, you know, uh, yeah. So that man, they they they're gonna win like fourteen games. Yeah. Um, that's crazy to think. Um, I, 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 I agree with you. Like I thought Tyreek Hill loss was going to loom larger than it has, but shame on me. Cause we saw a sample size of this, the second half of the year for the Kansas city chiefs last year, where they just changed their style. It wasn't about, they took the chunk plays when they came, but they weren't dialing up the chunk plays, right? They were they were dialing up 13, 14, 15, 16 play, 7, 8, 9, 10-minute drives, which has not been a staple of the, the Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs. That's what they had to do with Alex Smith and did it well, but totally different skill set, totally different um, players within that offense. Yeah, man. I mean, how do you look at this team right now and say that they're not the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl this year? My opinion, they're the be- they're the best team in the NFL. Yeah, which would make them the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl, yeah. right? <laughs> like, now we we've seen this before. Anything can happen, right? Of course. Um, so we'll we'll stay we'll stay tightly tuned to that. Lou, part of the reason why I didn't go so far into the 49ers here is because. If I'm a 49ers fan, I'm freaking out. And I'm freaking out, not positively, not negatively, just with excitement rolling into this week. It's rivalry week. You have the 49ers of the South, a la the Miami Dolphins, rolling into Levi's and what should be a very enticing game this weekend. You know, the Niners have won four straight after that Seattle loss in overtime to um, to Las Vegas. You know, now you got that that game buffer, um, you know, before you see each other in, in two weeks and you're in sole possession of first place. So, like, you should be riding high. We just talked about how the defenses, you know, pitched four consecutive second-half shutouts, haven't given up a point. Like, you know, there, there's things to be excited about. There's things to be cautious about. But ultimately, like, this is, I think, the matchup that you're waiting for. This is unequivocally the biggest challenge that they've had over the last – last five weeks since Kansas city came to town in terms of like a pure skill set. So all those things that you're excited about uh, as a 49er fan, and then walks in Mike McDaniel, Shanahan protege, Raheem Mostert, you know, 49er legend, Jeff Wilson, El Jefe, a fan favorite, Trent Sherfield having himself a, a bit of a year in Miami, more his best year of his professional career. River Craycraft. I don't even know if you know these names, but these are all River Craycraft sounds like a guy that you would draft in Madden in your like year five of your dynasty. <laughs> Dude, River Craycraft having a, himself a year um in Miami, like low key in, in that passing game. And then of course, accompanying them are Tua Tug of Viola, Jalen Waddle, and, and Tyreek Hill. Um it's I think it's, it's exciting. It's going to be touted as offense versus defense. Um, and I think where my excitement looms is 
I'm more worried about the chess match between Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan, because this is not a McVay thing where they've had years separated McVay like, yes, was learning under Kyle, but it was never Kyle's team that McVay was learning under like, dude, Mike McDaniel was Kyle's right-hand guy while he was essentially running the organization from the sideline. If there's anybody that understands what Kyle needs to wants to do, it's Mike. So how do you get the defense up? Great. Well, his offense went against D'Amico Ryan's defense every day in practice for countless years, right? So, like, it's just all those things – almost stacked the chip in like in the chips in Miami's favor because Kyle's got to go into his bag to, to pull out something that Mike McDaniel doesn't know about. And to do that, now we got to trust that the players are going to execute because it's not something that they've seen all the time. And do we have the players to execute right now? So um, what I, again, the excitement and buzz around this is also like, we talked about it before with the Tua Herbert stuff, like 49er fans getting into it with Dolphin fans and right like two is the greatest two is the greatest two is the greatest like and then comparing every player and trying to say that Teron Armstead who's probably not even playing in this game is a better left tackle than Trent Williams it's like what planet do you like Trent Williams might be the best NFL player like let alone just left tackle right and it's um so it's just it's just a lot of buzz it's a lot of hype um I'm, I'm fired up I'm equal parts nervous like i'll probably watch this game in complete silence because i'll be that like power in the dark in the game yeah <laughs> by myself bro in the basement of my house wow uh, i just want to say that you stole a lot of my fucking thunder uh for our next segment but uh i digress so i'm freaking out about that but uh i do have a negative freaking out with bill's mafia uh bill's like last year they're hitting this around this time last year they're hitting this rough patch right they're stumbling, and now they're getting banged up. Deion, Deion Dawkins, their starting left tackle, he's out for this week. Von Miller got hurt. Uh, they needed that miraculous play by Josh Allen to beat the Detroit Lions. Um, I think that's kind of crazy that that game was as close as it was. I know Detroit um, it, you know, is a feisty team, especially on offense, but that defense is pretty damn bad, and it just was a little shocking how pretty much they held that offense in check. So, start a little worried now because you, 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 now you have another competition in Miami in that division. You can't fall asleep on the Patriots. Here we are. We thought you know it was going to be the Bills and then everyone else. Now there's some chinks in the armor, and you got to be a little nervous. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. You're still going to make the playoffs, and you, and you know what? They're the type of team that once they make the playoffs, you know they'll 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 get hot and catch like wildfire. I get that. All but it's, are it's, off, yeah. It's, it still doesn't make it easier to digest these uh, last couple of weeks. Yeah, they're just perplexing, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's just not the the same team. You're, you're seeing kinks in the armor. Um, and Is just, it kinks you, or chinks? I don't even know. I say kink because I think of, like, a kink in, like, a hose or something like that. And then people are going to be like, what's a hose? <laughs> um I don't I, let's let's Google it, Lou. That's what we got the internet for. Yeah. So I think it might be chink in the armor. Chink in the I... armor, yeah. Bless you, Google. What if I put kink in the armor? Hey now. <laughs> nope. Nope. Kink, kink, kink in my neck is, is what came up typing that in. All right. Um I'll be short here. I have a negative freaking out as well. The aforementioned Baltimore Ravens. 
we we highlighted the the fourth quarter meltdowns, right? That's that's part of this equation. But what tips this over the the top for me is the recent outburst by Lamar Jackson. Mr. Lamar Jackson in his contract year. He's very loquacious. He's very verbose. He's very flamboyant. Um, he's not. Ooh, those are like SAT words right there, bro. That was serious. Wow, serious grammar went into that. Um, but they, and he's known for like you know like standing out at the podium and and very much being himself and speaking his mind. But the social media outbursts have not happened yet to this point in his career, and to me, that just shows a heightened sense of frustration, of course, from him. And that makes me nervous. I think one of the things that you love about Lamar, that everybody who's a fan of Lamar, is the confidence that he plays in. Or, excuse me, that he plays with. The, no, get the punt team off the field. We're going for it. I'm going to get it. And we talked about the cautiousness in which he's been running down the field and maybe making those plays and dialing them up. And, like, yeah, like we can make the playmaker excuse, et cetera. Um, but my final concern about them and what makes me tilt on the negative side is just this Lamar losing his cool to the point where John Harbaugh has had to literally say to the media, yeah, we've discussed that, right? Like, which means it's a problem, right? Like if your head coach has got to talk to you about head coaches, don't step in because you say outlandish shit at the podium. You know what I mean? Like something is, it comes from a, a quarterback. Yeah. And from him, like he's like he's just like as much as we you might hate his demeanor, his moxie, and all that stuff. Like he does handle himself accordingly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not he's not out of turn. He's never out of bounds. He doesn't cross a line. In my opinion, like that was Mark Ingram's role during those years with the Baltimore Ravens. That was never that wasn't Lamar. Like Lamar was a put up, shut up, play football kind of guy, and he'd have his moments. So. That's just where I'm a little bit concerned. Acquit, accompanied by the the other dynamics on the team, fourth quarter meltdowns, things of that nature. We describe those at great length. But this outburst has, if I'm a fan, has me a little concerned. Because it's it's too much at once right now. Mm-hmm. You got another yeah. one, or are I, you? No, let's 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 head on over to uh, right. what we're watching off. for. All right. So what we're watching for? You really stole my thunder. So. Uh, I'll say what my first thing, but I'm going to automatically transition to my second thing because I'm not going to beat a dead horse. But, yeah, my number one thing I'm watching this weekend – by the way, there's a lot of good football this weekend, right? Great of, football games. A lot of weekend. great games. A lot of great games. Uh, but it is that Dolphins offense in particular versus that Niners defense. It's the old adage, the movable object versus whatever, that force type. You know, we're, it's 1130 yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're lucky I have both eyes open. So, uh, <laughs> all kidding aside, though, it, it, it is um, that offense versus that defense. Both have shown absolutely no signs of slowing down. Here you are. You discussed, uh, you know, um, this, the 49ers defense shutting down, uh, you know, the New Orleans Saints uh, shut them out. Uh, on the flip side, you just had the Miami Dolphins put up 30 points and a half. And then they have to play any of their starters uh, in their in the second half. So it'll be real interesting to see which one's going to break. But I digress because we already talked about that. The other thing I'm really talking about is the AFC playoff 
uh, team race that's going on. It's it's crazy this week. You got the Bills at the Pats, right? A huge game tomorrow for, night. To, huge games for for both teams. You got the Jets at the Vikings, right? You got the Chiefs at the Bengals. Huge ramifications there. And then you got the Chargers at the Raiders. The only reason why I'm throwing that in there is because if somehow the Pats and the Jets and the Bengals do falter and the and the Chargers are victorious, that puts them at the seven seed. Then, so um, we'll you know we'll you know go from there. But uh, it's going to be a crazy time in the AFC if all these teams keep on winning. Yeah, do you just want to name every game on the schedule? I mean, you left me nothing there. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't talk. Uh, you can go into further detail what you're. You know, yeah, yeah, no. talk about in general. No, I mean, listen. The the AFC arms races is is going to be exciting, and I think a component of that, not necessarily, but a playoff team in the picture. Uh, outside the 49ers Dolphins game, the, the Chiefs Bengals game, um, I have my eye on this Titans versus Eagles game. Yeah, see, I, I think I left you some meat on there. I think the I think the Titans represent a formidable challenge um, when it comes to like, hey, Eagles defense, come stop this run. And over the last two weeks, my three weeks essentially, my confidence in the Philadelphia Eagles is starting to dwindle a little bit. A little bit, bit a little bit. They, yeah. they lost to the Commanders. Um, I thought they played resiliently and, and tried to make that a game, but they lost. Then you win by one point in late heroic fashion over the Indianapolis Colts. And then even this week against an ailing Green Bay Packers, that game was a lot closer. I know it was only a seven-point finish. To me, it was really like a 14-point because some of it was like in garbage time. But, dude, in the first half, I mean, the, the Packers were an extra point away from going in at halftime, leading this football game, playing with supreme confidence on the road. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that the Philadelphia Eagles are now showing chinks in their armor, um, getting that saying right, and it's uh, a movable object versus unstoppable force. Yeah. By the way, um, so I'm excited about that, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna play your card here too. The other game, you know, uh, I'm looking at the the Giants versus the Commanders. Uh, they uh, an NFC East division game. The NFC East is not far is right now has all four teams sitting in playoff standing and a loss specifically for the commanders would slide them out, you know, depending upon how other things, um, a loss from the giants perspective against a team that they have to play twice during the back half of the stretch and still have to play Philly twice and Dallas twice. Um, that could spell trouble, right. For a team that's been riding high most of the season, it could be, I don't want to call it disastrous because I already think the season's a win for them, regardless if they win another game or not. Um, but, you know, you're sitting here 12 weeks through the season and Giant fans are like, dude, we're going to be in the playoffs. And that can change really fast. And that Not start- so fast. Yeah. <laughs> and that could start this week. Thanks, Lee Corso, for joining our show. You like that? <laughs> I do love it. All right. You good on what you're watching? I'm good. I'm good, man. All right. It's our favorite time. It's schedule time. Lou, not a bad week week. for week 12. You went 12 and four. You went 12 and four. And I I went 12 and four. Ah, I thought you did 13 and three. No, the only thing. um, So we both had the Pats game wrong. Mm -hmm. The Bucks game wrong. uh, The Ravens game wrong. And then um, I had the... Monday night 
Yes, I had, and I had the Titans wrong. And you had the Titans Bengals wrong. The yeah. one time, the one time I, I I picked them to win, they they yeah. they failed me. So we had two games different, and we swapped them out. So we yeah. were okay. twelve and four. So on the season, that puts me at one hundred six and seventy four. Put you at one thirteen and sixty seven. So you maintain your seven uh, seven game lead. All right. Would you like me to just? I'll start off, and then we'll go every other. Every other, and we'll begin with Thursday night, the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Knee-jerk reaction. You say the whole, you know, I, my whole thought process on Thursday is, hey, it's a short week, what have you, but not for Buffalo. Not for Buffalo. Buffalo played last Thursday. They had that time to recoup, so it's a normal week for them from a preparation standpoint. Yep. But. But. <laughs> not so fast. Not so fast. I'm going Patriots here. Um Patriots showed me something these last uh, these last couple of weeks. Um, I think they're more healthy than the Buffalo Bills. Losing Von Miller, Gregory Rousseau. that we have touted that defensive rotation, that defensive line rotation so much, but now there's a lot of guys missing. It's not exactly the same defense as it was. It's still good, but they're missing a lot of pieces. Von Miller makes he makes a, a huge difference. huge difference. Losing their left tackle. Um, I don't like what I saw Buffalo against the Lions. They've been puttering, sputtering a little bit down the, the stretch. I'm going New England, baby. All right. I'm giving you the chance. You're giving I'm, me the chance, and I'm taking it, right? Go like, ahead. I'm, I'm taking the Bills, and I'm taking the Bills because of we know what a disadvantage Thursday night games are, which why we tend to go for the with the home team on that who doesn't have to travel. Not only did Buffalo play a week ago, they played a 12-30 game versus an 8-15 game. So I'm going to almost – hedge on they have an extra day rest outside of a normal week based on time of the game and i just think against new england this is a game especially with the defensive woes right now like you know von miller being out rousseau everything you just talked about like offense has to get right they have to take this opportunity against a division rival i'm i'm gonna take buffalo can i make you feel like shit one more time um yeah, please. I'm not sure if, how much you've been following what's going on in Buffalo, but apparently there's a crazy illness. Um, notice I said illness. It's no longer COVID or, or whatever it's called now. The flu. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. So there's a crazy illness going on in Buffalo, and all their players are like crazy sick this week. That's all right. So let's, that also went to my fact, you know. Let, that's, hey, that's me going deep. Hey, Bills Mafia, let's let's. Let's man up here and, and, and do our best uh, Michael some, Jordan game take, six performance. Take some tussing. <laughs> yeah. Shake it up. Mo tussing. Um, all right. Next is the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, dude, this is this is a coin flip to me. I'm not sure if Najee returns, which I think, you know, drastically hurts that offense, how they move the ball. I'm taking the home team. I'm taking Atlanta. Ah, yeah, I am too. I am taking Atlanta for the mere fact that Najee, even though he's not efficient, he is their offense. And, for you know, I'm just going Atlanta here. Yep. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Detroit Lions. I'm going Detroit. They're playing aspiring football. They could have easily beat uh, the Buffalo Bills last week. And you know how I feel, some of my rationale when I come to making my picks. Teams that have crazy wins the week before, there's always usually a letdown like, yeah. to try to get back up and get that feeling. So um, I, I do say uh, uh, the Lions win. 
Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm. It's at Detroit, right? At Detroit, I'm Lions all the way on this. I think that emotional win that Jacksonville just did, and this should this is just par for the course for Jacksonville, right? Like Trevor Lawrence, like finally, like shows that you know. I think he skates under the radar for being an underperformer, first you know, number one overall pick. Um, I agree. Um, I. I think he just doesn't get the same scrutiny because I also think it's because he plays in Jacksonville, right? Like, and, and that's what it boils down to. But it would just be perfect Jacksonville Jaguar esque for him to like come back and beat the Baltimore Ravens to, to lose to the Lions to the Detroit Lions. Yeah. yeah. So this is Detroit Lions to me. Yeah. All right. Oh, I skipped a game, but I'll take it. Uh, Green Bay at Chicago. That's you. It's me. <laughs> Is Justin Fields playing? I don't. I, that I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to reserve the right as the narrator here to do a quick search on this because this is going to truly change. Really, uh, I never thought that Justin Fields would move the needle that much. Just because of his scrambling ability, dude. Um, just tell me if he's playing or not. I don't need to know the whole thing. Separated shoulder in week 11. Feels limited all last week. It was a game time decision. I'm, yeah, it sounds to me like he's going to play if he was a game time decision last week and gets another week here. Um, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm just taking Chicago. I'm taking the Bears. I will take the Packers uh, because Rodgers owns them. So, yeah. And that defense has been pretty damn – if they let Mike White – all right, let's say Rodgers has to come out of the game. I'm pretty confident Jordan Love can pull a Mike White. So I, I'm I'm taking the Packers there. Taking the Bears. I just don't think this is I, – I, I think karma is going to catch up with them to say they should play number 10, not number 12 in this game. Um, all right. Next is the New York Jets at the Minnesota Vikings. I almost wish I got to pick this game first. I'm going Vikings. I'm going Jets on the road. Wow, just, you can make up three games. Probably more to come with this slate of games. Um, I'm taking. I just think the Jets are playing inspiring football, right? And like belief is a funny thing with backup quarterbacks. Now this is going to go one of two ways: they're going to win a close game, or they're going to get blown out by forty. Haven't we been down this road with Mike White before, though? We have, but like, so why are you going down it again? This is Jeremy Lin syndrome, dude. This is the Jeremy Lin syndrome. I'm, I'm buying in. I'm, I'm subscribing for at least a a three game stint here. (laughs) Okay. Um, I just don't. Also, don't think Minnesota. Like, look, the Jets play pretty good defense, right? Fair to say. Their strength is probably their secondary, right? Fair to say. Um. No, no, there's no argument there. Feeling most likely out, right? Um, they got plenty. Oh, no, 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 he's not. No, he's not out. Um, but I just think, like, okay, Jeff Dalvin hasn't been super impressive with the running game, you know. I don't know. I just it's at Minnesota, at Minnesota. I'm taking the Jets on the road. Yeah, you're smart to take the Vikings. Yeah, it's the the right play. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The Washington Commanders at the New York Football Giants. That's you, buddy. I'm taking the Commanders. Yeah. Um, I alluded to, I agree with you. I alluded to this before, Weston, how uh, I felt like the Giants, it was kind of fool's gold, and you're going to start. This is this is the slide. They lost, what, three out of the last four? Yeah. And right? Washington traditionally the only team they, the owns only the team, Giants. The only team they've beaten was the Texans in the last four. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. Eventually, you need some talent, and they don't have any talent. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Washington. Um, Tennessee at Philadelphia. I'm going Tennessee. Uh, it's just not a good matchup for the Eagles. Um, they have difficulty going against more physical team. And guess what? Tennessee is more physical on the both defense and offensive side of the ball. I'm 100% going Tennessee. What travels in December, baby? Defense and run game. Um, I have to go Tennessee on this. I, yeah. I, I, I have to. Yeah. Um, the Denver Broncos at the Baltimore Ravens. Um, there's the Ravens. no way I can pick the, the Broncos in any confidence whatsoever. It's Ravens for me. Broncos country. Let's die. <laughs> Let's die, dude. What do you do? Like, what do you do? Like, like hold on a second here. Like, what do you do this, if, not, if you win four or five games this year and it's the start of next season and you hear your quarterback who you potentially want to, like, kill, right, because what you gave up to get him is not performing. And it's like the preseason and he's in his, like, opening press, con- you know, uh, presser and it's just like, let's ride. Like, what do you do? Like, even as a teammate, what do you do? Like, let's ride. We were trying to fucking ride last year, bro. Where were you? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, real quick, do you think – yes or no? Do you think um, only half of the team going to his birthday party is a big deal or not a big deal? It's a big deal, bro. It's a big – it's like Bo Callahan and uh, is it Bo Callahan and Bo uh, Callahan and draft day, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a big deal, man. Like, dude, look, I'm not saying your quarterback's got to be – the emotional leader and the guy who's rah rah and on the sideline and doing all that. I'm just saying he's got to be the most respected player on your team. Yeah. You know that Frankie brought a good point. I was talking to him about this and he was saying that, um, well, it depends. It's not a big deal unless none of the, if like a lot of the offensive people didn't show up. Like the offensive personnel didn't show up. If the offensive person personnel didn't show up, he thinks that's a big deal then. I think it's a big deal regardless, man. Like, this is team football. Like, dude, not for nothing, but you got Mike Purcell walking off the field yelling at you. Like, I know who Mike Purcell is, but most – and if you're not a Broncos fan, most people are like, who the fuck is Mike Purcell? Walking off the sideline, mother effing Russell Wilson. You know what I mean? Like, and you can easily dispel that, but – By the way, how great of a pick was both of us to pick the Panthers where – of uh, on uh, on ESPN and also NFL Network, they all picked picked the Broncos. Yeah. Dude, I don't think the Broncos win another game. Like this is not. We'll let, let's well, hold on. Let's let's do the litmus test here. So, all right, they got the Ravens. We're picking that as an L. Then yep. they got the Chiefs. Nope. All right, so they got the Cardinals, Rams, but then they have the Chiefs, they, they Chargers can, they, right after that. They can beat. They can beat the Rams. The Rams are shutting everyone down. Yeah. I, but I don't even think they're that. Like, I don't even think they're. Yeah, they'll. All right. I think the defense. Will so let's go. Good. One, two, three, four, five, six. So they have six games left. And I see they'll, easily they'll five L's. I see, I see the beat the Cardinals, so. I just, I don't, I don't get it. All right. Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. Um, you picked this one, actually. Revenge game. Watson. Even though his accusers will be there, I think he pulls it out. 
Yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. Who's How crazy is that shit? Like the the that the they'll world. be there. Yeah, <laughs> this hey, is guys. Like straight up WWE type of shit. Yeah. I think it'll come out of the stands and like it wants it with the fucking. Oh, uh, I can't wait. Chair. <laughs> sorry, sorry that he did the things that he did, but we know how we'll make it right. Why don't you come sit in a in a box? Or a suite at our stadium. No, I think the did the lawyer get them the tickets or something. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, it's in Houston, which is what makes it worse, right? Like, be different if it was in Cleveland, you know? Like, hey, we'll fly you out. Like, our bad, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's Bob McNair, the I'm, owner. I'm interested. Like, I'm interested to see how much coverage it gets, like, and attention it gets. Uh, but but you have to toe the line. Like, yeah. we're not paid by anybody. We could say whatever the hell we want. Like, the network's got to toe the line, dude. Got to toe That's, the line. We're both going Browns there, right? Yeah, Browns. Uh, Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams. This is me. Um, this is the Seahawks all day. You just mentioned the Rams the sh- are a corpse, man. Yeah, yeah. Seahawks. Uh, they're shutting everybody down. Donald Donald's not playing. Cup is out. And Stafford's probably not going to play. All right, game of the week, bro. The Miami Dolphins at the San Francisco 49ers. I feel like. You, do you want to go? I feel like you should go first. I'll go first. I'm going to pick the Dolphins to win this game. I think this is the first real test. Like, hey, you're you're four in a row. The five plus streaks don't happen all the time. Um, I, I I I'm gonna say the Dolphins, but I I take solace in the fact of like, hey, revenge games are funny this way. The AFC loss is not nearly as consequential as like the the teams on the remainder of their schedule. So if it's gonna happen happen now especially if you know even if seattle wins which they will in los angeles and you lose this game you still have first place and then you get a reeling bucks team and then you get your head-to-head with seattle so there's opportunity to make right on this so this is not a must-win game this is a you must compete because the last time a contender came to your house they smacked you around in the fourth quarter embarrassed you right so like um I think they should be inspired to compete, but at the end of the day, I think I think the Dolphins are just a little too much on offense right now. Yeah. Uh, I Well, you got to look at – usually I feel like when it comes to the mentor and protege type of stuff, uh, the mentor I feel like usually wins. I would love to – we got to get our staff boy back here, man. I know. Uh, I don't have those numbers off the top of my head, but it's just, it's just a gut feeling. I feel like the mentor normally wins. So you would think right now I'm going towards, you know, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. But not so fast. I just feel like um, I, I am I am picking Miami because I think their offense is phenomenal. Your defense is phenomenal. Their defense is good. Where your offense is a little banged up right now. You have a banged and up Jimmy G. Still trying to figure it out. He's still trying to figure it out. Your rushing attacks a little banged up, uh, and I think that that's cause for concern. You could put McCaffrey. You could use Debo Moore as a running back this game. That would be smart, right? Uh, to take some pressure off of McCaffrey, and you still have some with the emergence of Brandon Ayuk, you would still have some threats there too from a play action standpoint. I still feel like though uh, Miami comes and wins this game. One thing I want to point out in this game is don't sleep on this name, Jordan Mason, um, rookie running back, undrafted running back. I know we have the third round, uh, Ty Davis Price, um, who's been inactive as of late. Um, understandably so like the truth is is like when you carry that additional running back they better play special teams and he does not and jordan mason's does jordan mason does play special teams but at the end of that game man like 
he was a hammer and he's young and he's fresh. And like, if you want to bang somebody up the middle a little bit, I'm leery because yeah, but he, he, rookie yeah. running backs tend to fumble the ball and put it on the turf. Right. But like, I, when I look at Jordan Mason, I feel like he belongs and he fits what Shanahan wants to do. So that could be uh, a little bit yeah. of a chess piece. You know, he's only playing on first and second down because pass pro. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, All right, so yeah. we're both going Dolphins here. Go phone, both going Dolphins. Kansas City Chiefs at the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, going Kansas City. Wow. Well, I, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll just. I don't know, man. The Bengals like didn't. The, the Bengals didn't look so fantastic against the Jamar back. Jamar will be back. And Mixon back. I think Mixon will be back. So here, here's the story that I'm going to create for you. I'm going to pick the ba- – oh, I wrote Chiefs in next to my name. I meant to write them next to your name. I'm going to pick the Bengals. This is high risk, high reward, but I'm creating a narrative for you. I'm creating a narrative that will be on paper and talked about in the playoffs how the Chiefs have lost to the Cincinnati Bengals two times in a row, one being the AFC championship game, the other being here – and then the Chiefs will do what the Chiefs do and mop them in the playoff game, wherever it is. So for that, for that football narrative and the talking heads to have something to talk about in the playoffs, that's with conviction. I'm going to say the Cincinnati Bengals win this football game. Okay. Wow. We have what, four different now. One, two, three, four. Yep. All right. Los Angeles Chargers. At the Las Vegas Raiders, I'll let you pick. Uh, it's funny. The Raiders always do this to us in these big moments. They always do this to us. And just watching what Josh Jacobs did last week to Seattle, <laughs> it's so fresh in my head that I can't get over it. I am going because the Chargers are banged up. Corey Lindsley, concussion protocol, that's huge. The offensive line is not getting better. Uh, Mike Williams in that practice. Joey Bosa is not coming back. I don't think he comes back this year, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's that's, that's rough. I, I, I say because of uh, the injuries and everything from the Chargers, not that the Raiders don't, but I, I, think, I think the Raiders win this game. I'm picking the Chargers. Um, I'm picking the Chargers I, I, sole – yeah, so either you're that. you're gonna tie up on me this or, um, or, or, or the season's or, over. Or we're ending the segment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just like let's just talk about the games individually. Um I, I'm gonna take the Chargers and I'm taking them because of we talk about this all the time. The fashion in which the Raiders won that football game, right? Like the walk-off 80 plus yard carry from Josh Jacobs, like, dude, they ran the ball a lot. He took a pounding. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I liked what I saw, you know, you talked about situational football from the chargers last week. Um, I think they find a, they, they better find a way to, to duplicate that effort. And I just, I just, I have no faith in Josh McDaniels uh, as a head coach. There's such a, such a huge rivalry. If you look back at the rivalry, um, the Raiders always gets us in the big moments. Not big enough yet. This is not week 18. Um, you guys got them one more time, or have you already played? We, we, we beat them, them this season. Yeah. 
Okay. Oh, yeah, week one. That's right. All right. Indianapolis Colts at the Dallas Cowboys. I'll go Cowboys. Um, yeah, I'm the Cowboys, too. I was going to be funny and just jump out there and say I'm the Colts <laughs> to be six different at this point. Um, you won't And then it. Monday night – no, I won't do it. Monday night, the New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can go first this one. I think I think went like first last two. Hey, I'll create another narrative for you. Uh, Tampa Bay's been struggling. I say they mop them, even though they normally don't, right? This is always a tough, contested, like, hate-fueled battle. But what better narrative than going into the next week's game when the 49ers play Tampa Bay, and you're going to want to talk about how Tom Brady – wanted to be a 49er and you're going to hear that headline for an entire week and then hear that like he might he could still potentially be a 49er at the end of this season you're just going to hear all about it but it own that narrative only works if tom brady plays well and this is the nfl and it's the gift that keeps on giving and it's going to be that's so i i i got the bucks where's it being played in tampa i go tampa for the main fact that if I'm wrong on those other five games, <laughs> this this is just me being strategic now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. Um, listen, I'm out on the limb on some of these, no doubt about it. Um, the logic just, makes sense just, in my head. For me, I just need to be right on two of those games. Yeah, you just, you just, yeah, you can't lose all five. And for me, I only need to be right on two or three of them, right? Like I can't have like the gap can get a little wider. It just can't get five games wider. Then it's insert. Then next week, I'm I'm pulling rabbits out of hats everywhere. And then before you know it, I'm 20 games back. You know what I mean? <laughs> like can't be doing that. All right, Lou, you got any fantasy tips this week? Got a couple. Got a couple. Okay. By the way, I I, I don't want to really pat myself on the back because I'm a really yeah, humble person. Yeah, but sure. Damn, you're... I was I was pretty on spot last week. I think I had Samaje Piran. I had uh, the, the Washington's defense. Like I was, I was pretty damn good. So I'm gonna stick, you know, stick with. Um, actually, I'm gonna pivot here. A pair of Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson. Why not? Revenge game. Great narrative. Wouldn't it be funny just to watch him ball out? And you, might, if you don't want to play him this week, it's, he could be a, a you know pick up and stash type of guy. But in addition to Deshaun Watson. David Njoku. Now, David Njoku started off slow, then got hot, then got hurt. Then when he came back from injury, he was a little slow. Now he's starting to pick it up again. And you have to understand Watson. Great catch in the end zone, by yeah, the way, last yeah, week in that fantastic. game. Fantastic. Uh, and you have to understand, you know, what's the quarterback's, you know, best friend, best friend is, is that tight end for the safety valve. And him, you know, getting back into the swing of things. I can see a lot of check downs to, you know uh, – you know, David and Joku, and they do like to run, they like run a lot of tight end screens there. So, and it's a, it gets a bad use in defense. So, pair of Cleveland Browns, uh, Deshaun Watson and David and Joku. All right. I was going to save this one for last, but it just fits the narrative too well for me right now. Um, and just to go to show you that, like, Lou and I don't spend an hour and 40 minutes every night, like every time we record, just agreeing with each other. Quite often, we have opposite reactions to certain scenarios and here it's none the different uh my final thought of the fantasy section in bold letters was going to be do not fall for the low-hanging fruit and do not start deshaun watson this week well yeah well i listen if you don't you don't have to start him this week i do think he's a, like a stash though like well i i think he's been stashed you know strategic players who mm -hmm. felt good about their roster competitively 
he's been stashed the whole time. And I get it. Like, if you've been holding him, you've been waiting for this moment. Um, and I think he is viable come your playoff push time. But, I mean, dude, he's missed 12 weeks of football where he can't practice either, right? Like, so he hasn't been around since training camp. Uh, there's new players, right? Like, it, it's not the same team it was in training camp, whether it's injuries and sliding personnel around and doing all those things. I just think it's unrealistic that his first game back with limited repetition is going to light up a scoreboard. I don't know. I, I easily see him putting up like 225 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and like 40 rushing yards. You can use those legs, man. When, when you know, he's all when, else uh, fails. Sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, that's that was that, like a, 17 points. That, I was gonna say that sounds like a 20 point fantasy day, depending yeah, on the final a, league score. It looks yeah. ugly, but yeah, lipstick on a pig. Yeah, all right. But so, since I, I, I blurred that out, I do want to get an actual player. I'm gonna stick with a tight end, believe it or not. And I'm gonna say Cole Komet. Oh, and okay. let's be let's be very clear about this for a moment. I think myself included. In certain draft strategies, a lot of people thought they were really smart when the board didn't fall their way with a Kelsey, a Kittle, and Andrews, right? Some of the top-tier tight ends. So you're like, I got this guy pegged late. I don't think he's on anybody's radar. I'm going to look like a genius when I pick him up, right, as my starting tight end. And clearly that has not come to fruition, right? So we haven't felt smart about that strategy. Um, but I do think if Justin Fields is back, Darnell Mooney out in a f- more favorable matchup against Green Bay. Um, I think due to game flow, they're going to have to throw the ball a-, a little bit more than they want to, which is bad news for the Packers, just because I think the more passing attempts they have, the more Justin Fields is going to run around the field. And it's it's essentially hard to equ- equate for the 12th offensive man, which is a quarterback's legs. Um, but I-, I-, I like Cole Komet this week. Okay. Okay. So uh, I was going to say uh, Garrett Wilson because uh, he balled out, but he's no longer like – I feel like he's no longer like uh, a surprise anymore. Dude, I've been starting him all season in yeah, our Yeah, so what, what I'm, what I'm going to say, Elijah Moore, he faces the Minnesota Vikings who are fifth worst against, you know, wide receivers. So uh, throwing uh, Moore in there. Moore had a touchdown last week, right? He had four yep. targets, which is four more than he normally averages. And you have to think about game flow. If the Vikings in their powerful offense do get out to an early lead, you got to like the, his chances, you know, to gain additional targets. So Elijah Moore uh, in conjunction with Garrett Wilson too. So those two uh, jet receivers. Yeah. Um, My last one is I got two here. I'm going to go with the name that I mentioned just before. Like if you're in running back purgatory right now, like Jordan Mason's a play, like he's going to be the number two back in this game. Like you'll, you might see some Ty Davis price, but I, I really think like that knee, what an irritation for CMC is going to, it's going to be concerning. And for all the things that I said earlier about like this game doesn't feel like must have must win, right? There's minimal, it like hey, a win is a really good thing. A loss just, is not going to be detrimental, and I think because of that, like you don't you don't see a full workload lo- workload for CMC if he's if he's feeling rough. And I just think like you gotta you gotta find out what you got in this guy. This is the the most opportune time to do it, and I think he's going to get touches. And he catches the ball out of the backfield. He does catch the ball out of the backfield, so you're gonna he's going to get 
10 to 12 touches this game. It's going to be a matter of what he does with them. Okay. I have one more too, real quick, and then we can uh, wrap this up. Yep. Uh, tight end Daniel Bellinger uh, for oh, the yeah. New York Giants. Uh, he was out for injury, but before his injury, his last two games he played in, he scored 11 and 15 points. You can't pick him up. See if you can rekindle some of that, uh, ma- uh, that magic he had with Daniel Jones against a Washington defense. That's probably not going to give Jones a lot of time to throw, right? So you know, he's going to look for a lot of quick dump-offs. And I think that can, he can add another element to their offense. Might not be pretty, but he, I can see him getting into the end zone. Yeah, I, I love. I mean, listen, Belgier was a sneaky fantasy play early in mm-hmm. the season, and the injuries uh, certainly derailed that. So um, that that's it for me from a fantasy perspective. Sounds like it is for you. Uh, we'll keep the receipts. We'll come back and see how how we fared. Uh, I'm, I'm more nervous about the slate of games here and us having five games different. I think that's our by far our, our largest differentiation gap yeah. um, in any given week. So uh, exciting times are upon us. But, Lou, that wraps us up with our Week 12 coverage and our forecasting of Week th- – or foreshadowing, I should say, is the more appropriate term for Week 13. So before we get out of here, let's, again, remind the, the listeners where they can find us. At WTF Pod NFL on Twitter and Instagram, and Wesson on YouTube. We're talking football. Like, subscribe, still pushing to grow those numbers, um, and we're going to continue to plug and plug and plug and do everything that we can. Uh, be on the lookout for this content to be up definitely before tomorrow's games. But, Lou, other than that, always a pleasure to reconvene after the holidays and look forward to catching up again next week, man. There it is.